0: You're listening to World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world. And here are your hosts, Angel Rose and Ahanu.
1: Well, you're very, very welcome. My name is Ahanu, and with me is my lovely Angel Rose, and we have our wonderful friend and guest back with us today again, Penny Kelly from Michigan.
2: Penny is always such an interesting guest, isn't she, Ahano? She's so full of adventures and realizations, and we actually have had many listeners write us and say, when are you having Penny back on? So Penny, of course, is, her schedule is getting busier and busier, so we we captured her, Ahano, for yes. today.
1: and she just got back also from a co- conference in joshua tree in california called contact in the desert so we're going to be asking her questions about that what did she find out what did she learn and what's the latest in terms of the whole et contact business crop circles and the growth of consciousness and awareness in the world
2: as well as an earth update what's going on across the planet so stay with us because this begs to be an incredible show as usual with penny kelly
1: well hello penny kelly
2: Yes, it is. Good morning, Ohano.
1: <laughs> good morning to you.
2: Hi, Penny.
3: How are you? Hi, Angel. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I have a little bit of a leftover cold, but other than that, I'm good. So oh, boy, I man. might be coughing or sneezing or whatever, but I don't think it'll be too much
2: of a problem. So we got to catch up. It's been a while since we've talked to you. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> How are you guys? Where are you guys? We're out here in Redmond, Redmond, Oregon. It's about 20 minutes from Bend in Central Oregon. Yeah. Right. Sorry. It's This is the place for today. That's what it yeah. comes to.
1: You know what we say? Wherever I hang my hat. Yes. That's my home. That's right.
3: That's right. I've often said I could make home out of any
2: place. Yes. You know? Well, you've been very busy lately. So, tell us. Let's start our conversation by talking about the uh, was it contact in the desert that you were at in Joshua Tree? Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> that was quite the experience. Oh my! Mm, tell us. I, um, you know,
3: I I went out there. It was it was one of those things that just um, mushrooms. You make a decision, and that decision for me was made in January. I I thought, okay, I'm going to um, someplace where I can put my ear to the ground and hear what's going on among the people who are into the new age thing, who are fiddling with UFOs, who are talking about spirituality, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it was just an arbitrary decision um, because I was trying to get a hold of Graham Hancock and he was going to be there. And I thought, okay, I'm going. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was was it, I wanted to give him
1: a piece of my book
3: and an invitation. Sorry, So, you know, so then in February I got asked to um, be videotaped for, um, you know, a producer asked me to, to be videotaped and to talk about my work with Dr. Levengood. And so we did that and then a couple days later she called back and said the footage is no good we have to retape. and in that conversation i said something about well you know i'm coming out to california in in june cuz i'm going to contact in the desert and she said oh my god you know mm-hmm. i'm going to be at contact in the desert as well mm-hmm. and i'm working on getting this movie that i'm putting together with you in it and as being the saturday night premiere at Contact in the Desert. And I was just like, oh, wow. And then, you know, later she said, why don't you bring your books and sell some books? And oh. <laughs> yeah. so, things just kept more and more interesting and, and more complex. And so I went out. Um, it was really, uh, uh, I ended up, um, you know, going out there and it was 114 degrees.
2: Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Wow. We
3: were not in any of the air conditioned buildings. All the vendors were outside on sidewalks. Wow. It was so hot. So that was memorable all by itself. Uh, I it's it's so- yeah, it, it put a it put a very special stamp on the whole experience because you realized that people were really nobody was complaining, you know, and people were absolutely 110% committed to finding out, listening, learning, talking with one another, you know, just being with one another. And the consensus that I heard from a lot of people was that it was a place where they could finally talk without having to watch their words, where they could open up and talk with other people who understood where they were coming from. Mm -hmm. And I thought, yeah, you know, that's really true. There was just a tremendous... Uh, conversation going on at all times between and among all the people there on every subject every topic you can imagine Mm -hmm. and the speakers were fabulous oh wow I um, you know I just uh, there were a few times that I I thought gee, I thought I knew a lot, but right now I'm not thinking that. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, I never thought of that.
2: And did you? And, you did know, you there were moments with...
3: like that. I did ask one fellow, um, a couple people, in fact. You know what he said? He had been coming to contact in the desert many times, and I said, "So what have you noticed, if anything, about the first contact in the desert that you went to?" And say this one yeah. and he was thoughtful for a minute and then he said I think what I see happening is that first all the conversation was about UFOs and you know secret space programs and things like that yeah. and he said now the majority of the conversation is about spirituality and consciousness. Oh, interesting, mm.
1: nice.
3: Yeah, mm. I thought that was an interesting point and I thought okay, that's really the direction that I would like to see us move in as Mm -hmm. a people and get a better grasp of what consciousness and spirituality, true spirituality is.
1: So does that mean, Penny, that there is some connection between the UFO phenomena and spirituality and consciousness?
3: Yes, let me say yes, and then let me back up a step and say, you know, one of the things that I have been, oh, I guess I'll say harping on yeah. for a while, is is, the, is the getting people to understand what spirituality really is. Um, people have an idea about it that isn't really correct. So I talk about true spirituality. The first thing I would say is there's no standard spirituality, except maybe in the church of self-illusion, you know,
1: yes.
3: um, there really isn't, a, like, a mindset or a set of habits that you put on and now you can say, okay, I'm spiritual, you yeah. know, uh-huh. I have arrived, etc. Spirituality is a way of being that continuously unfolds your true self. And, and if you're talking about true spirituality, what you're really talking about is the Spirit of yourself, and that's all those little silly um, habits and and weird perspectives and idiosyncrasies that go with the individual. And so, when you are going to develop your spirituality, you have to develop your personal approach to life. The spirit of yourself mm-hmm. is what you are working with, and what you are expanding. And so if your passion is you know like for me is for consciousness you'll pursue that no matter what else you have to do you'll pursue that study and and trying to get a grasp of what is consciousness and how does it work and how does that underlie reality etc if you are I, I know somebody who is in North Carolina and they have a small bakery that they bake whole breads and, and old-fashioned, old-world breads and old grains that they use. And they are incredibly passionate about these breads and about their business and everything to do with that. And that has unfolded their spirit, the spirit of themselves, and that's their contribution to the reality. And And, you know, I know another, I have a, a client who, is developing a technology. It's a phenomenal technology, and and he's you know, he's worried about. Well, I'm, he's doing all these amazing things with the technology. He's working with an amazing team of people. He's having these conversations with, uh, you know, people in big corporations who are watching. Big corporations watch for little guys who have the guts, the courage. And you know the wherewithal to power themselves forward, and really contribute something to the world, and don't crash and burn in the process. So he's dealing with all these big corporations that are very interested in this technology because it's just so practical. And 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 he's worried about you know well, what about my spirituality, and the spirit of himself is coming through in the way that he can see. Where the technology is going to go—that's his clairvoyance. Mm-hmm. He can hear the suggestions that his team, you know, the people he's hired make and the improvements, et cetera. He isn't competitive. He isn't arrogant. Um, you know, he's developing. He's he's working with these massive contracts that are pretty tricky, mm-hmm. and he's he's working his way through, and he's making good deals for himself his people his technology the future the planet and the people who want to join forces with him and that's his spirit of himself Mm -hmm. that's his spirituality Mm -hmm. and his third eye and third ear and all that are fully awakened in just in that so i think we need to redefine spirituality and stop thinking of it as a particular diet, or a particular kind of food, or a particular yes. kind of knowledge, and say, you know, who are you? Yes. And and what is the spirit of yourself that you are developing?
1: Well, if you, you know? pop back just for a moment now to the contact in the desert in Joshua Tree, and uh-huh. te- and tell us, did you end up meeting Graham Hancock?
3: Yes, I did. It was it was great. I yeah. uh, had written him a letter in January, and I had put together four of my books and an invitation in a letter to come to Lily Hill Farm if he was ever in Michigan, and, and I said, I just want to give you these books because I think it will further your understanding. He touches on consciousness, and he's been so con- criticized. He's been torn apart mm-hmm. because of his statements about consciousness, and he's right on track. And I wanted those books to support him and his understanding. And so we had a little conversation, and um, and I did invite him, and I gave him a letter, which was, you know, six months old at that point. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, and I listened. I also attended his talk. It was one of the very few things that I was able to attend, um, and, and it was just, it was great. He, The man is out there. He is doing his work, following his passion and the things that he is coming up with are phenomenal in terms of, of the ancient history, true history. Um, you know, I wanted to support him in terms of his willingness to say, no, I don't think it happened that way. And no, I think that that's not correct. And here's the physical evidence. That this is what happened, right. and so, you know, and I made that decision when I was reading Underworld that I had to talk to that man. Mm-hmm.
2: Can you give and, us a little more specific details, Penny, on what he actually is saying in a nutshell?
3: Okay, so let's um, so let's just take Underworld, his book. Underworld's a big, thick book. Um, what he had done in a previous book was to notice that. Um, you know, there were, he, I guess he was, he spent his youth in India, and he noticed that there were stories of buildings that had once been visible out in the bay that were now underwater. Yes. And mm-hmm. and so he would talk with old guys or old people, um, you know, some of the elders of the area. And, he, and so long story short, was he started researching the idea of the flood, and what he did was to discover that. And he, I mean, he put together a ton of information from archaeology and history, and geology and all kinds of stuff, and and basically laid out this story, this uh, series of events in which there were three major floods at the end of the last ice age, how they happened, the fact that there was a, a meteor explosion over North America and, and possibly over Europe as well that melted a tremendous amount of ice all at one time, created a huge, huge lake on top of the of the ice, another lake underneath the ice, and that ice, that lake was dammed until suddenly some of the ice melted enough and broke through. The temperature was rising rapidly, and these massive, massive floods just roared across the land, washing everybody and everything into the sea and raising sea level, sometimes as much as hundred feet at a time. There were three separate floods at three separate eras, I think maybe around 15,000 B.C., uh, maybe 12,000 B.C., and ten, nine or 10,000 B.C. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so he went looking. He said, if, if there were uh, people living on the coast, and you know like they are now everybody gathers along the coastline most of the population is on the coastline of our world um, not in the heartland and he said then there should be evidence of cities underwater and and so he what he mapped out was that sea level had risen over these three massive flooding periods um, a, about 300 feet, 300, almost 400 feet, 380 feet. That's a lot. In a matter of a week or two. And um, with each one, you know, 100 feet up, and then it's pretty stable for a couple thousand years, and then 100 feet up, and then another 150 feet up. And when sea level rises that much, your coastlines are gone. So he and his wife uh, took diving lessons, went out into the sea, and started finding ancient ruins all over the place
2: mm-hmm.
3: and documented that in Underworld and, and said, you know, there was an ancient culture. Well, that exactly matched what I have seen clairvoyantly over and over about my own past, is that I was part of an ancient culture. There were massive earth changes. We lost a lot of people, et cetera, et cetera. And so, that was the connect because I was just finishing, uh, writing the, um, consciousness and energy volume three. And I was also reading underworld at that time and thinking, oh my God, this guy has explained where the stories of the flood came from and how, you know, how things operated and, and what washed where. And, um, and his work is just it's meticulous, it's well thought out. He's working with other uh, practitioners and academics who do not subscribe to the quote "official mm-hmm. story mm-hmm. of history mm-hmm. or religion and saying, "I think there's another story here." Right. So that was what really attracted me to him.
2: yeah mm-hmm. and what and what about yourself? I mean, you gave a talk yourself, didn't you? You know, actually, uh, no, I didn't. I did not give
3: a talk. Um, I have to say, yes, I did for about three minutes. But um, <laughs> it wasn't a planned thing. So the, the movie that was made, it was called Crop Circle Diaries, and it was uh, produced by Patty Greer. And Patty is this amazing gal who used to be a singer and a harpist. And I don't know what happened there. But she went to visit England, went into a crop circle, and had, uh, what do you call it, lost time, had an out-of-body experience, lost three hours. And when she came back, said, what the heck happened? (laughs) And so she started going into crop circles, visiting them, filming them. She, you know, went up. She hired an airplane, you know, went up filmed a whole bunch of them, talked with people about their experiences, and she had all this footage that she was going to put into a movie that talked about the UFOs that were creating the crop circles. And then she, um, I think it was 2014, she came to Lily Hill Farm, Uh, a man that knew me, was attending... A workshop or a conference up in Allegan, Michigan and Patty was speaking at this conference and he she's talking about UFOs and crop circles and all this stuff and and this guy Stan knew me and knew my work with Dr. Leavengood very well and he went up to Patty afterwards and said there's somebody you need to meet you know and I'd like to take you to meet her and and so Patty's response was yeah, I've heard a lot of come-ons, but, you know, this is a new one.
1: <laughs> and is she in so, relation to Stephen Greer?
3: No, she is not. Right. Just the name is the same.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So, so, long story short, it took him a day or two to convince her to come with him. He brought her here to Lily Hill Farm. We had a conversation for, you know, two hours, three hours. At the end of the conversation, I gave her a copy of of Volume 2, Consciousness and Energy, Volume 2. And she's kind of flipping through it and seeing crop circle stuff and saying, wait a minute, what is this? And I mm-hmm. said, well, it's my book. And she said, about crop circles, why didn't you say something? And I said, well, you didn't ask. <laughs> so you know, so we, the, the bottom line was that she was working with a Canadian broadcasting company and they came and they filmed me and did a big interview and then she ended up doing her own film and putting it together and it's this really beautiful kind of it's just the two of us and you know, Patty's telling her story and, and some of her stories are amazing. Just amazing. And then you know, it, it flips over to me talking about the science. And then back over to her and then back to me and it just weaves back and forth and it's really pretty good. She did an excellent job. And it was the premiere Saturday night movie. It had its world premiere on Saturday, June, I don't know what day that was, second, third, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was, people were crying. They were raving about the, the movie. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I ended up on stage and said a couple things, but. Um, you know, it was really... I, I kind of was a movie star for a day. So. Yeah,
2: that's great. So what was the conclusion? <laughs> yeah, it you, was really fun. It was, yeah, what conclusions and, and
3: did you come so to about No, that there was some truth out there that they could turn to. So yeah. I was... Yeah.
2: So what, what are the conclusions then, Penny, about the crop circles?
3: Um, but the conclusions, bottom line conclusions are... That the Earth is alive, it's living, it's conscious, it's communicating with everything in our solar system and beyond, our galaxy as well, and the other galaxies. And the, the, almost all of the crop circles are mathematical and they are, you know, you can't have communication without some kind of mathematical pulsed frequencies and there are shapes that go with those and sounds that go with those and, and and so bottom line is that the earth is communicating what her experience is and she's willing to communicate with people as well so you'll have instances and there's been more than one where somebody says oh, I want to see a crop circle about this or. I, you know, I would like to see a crop circle about that. And voila, mm-hmm. two days later or the next day or three days, there's a crop circle with that exact design. And some groups have done some research around that and, and have experimented with that. And they get the design that they drew the night before. Mm-hmm. And there it is in the field the next day. Right. Why? Because we are conscious. And we are communicating with the Earth, and she's listening. Right. It's just simple.
2: Yeah, we have a friend, a group of friends who actually went to England and did just that. They had an intention that they wanted a uh, six-pointed star to be in the center of a circle the next day, and sure enough, there was. Oh. Yeah, Yeah. See? Yeah.
3: So the Earth is a very, very conscious being. She's not just this inert ball of mud. Right. and and she has raised us to become hopefully to become eventually eternal beings and take the whole system eternal and we have a ways to go but we're we're working on it yeah you
2: know, there's um, so so let's talk about that for
1: Well, before we do, uh, if you don't mind, Penny, let's just we do need to take a quick studio break here. And we want to remind our listeners we're speaking with our great friend Penny Kelly, who's bringing us up to date and catching us up on the great uh, results from the Joshua Tree Conference contact in the desert, as well as various other news and information about consciousness in general on the earth. But uh, we will take this little break. We will be right back after this with some more news and some more information and some more great uh, revelations from
0: Penny. So do stand by, stay with us. Ahanu's book, The Reincarnation of Columbus, is his true story of the loss of his first child, his pain and struggle with grief, and the guilt that followed. It forms his entire philosophy of life, and is a superb rendering of the unfolding of spiritual awareness. The reincarnation of Columbus is a true epic voyage from the pain and sorrow of a father's grief to a new world of empowerment, love, and forgiveness. Get your copy on Amazon.com or on Kindle for two ninety nine by searching for A-H-O-N-U or visit HTTP colon slash slash the reincarnation of Columbus.com. That's all one word. The reincarnation of Columbus.com.
2: All right, we're back now with our wonderful friend Penny Kelly, who hasn't been on in a while, and now we've captured her, Hannah. So yes. she's, she's back with <laughs> us. She's getting so busy these days, we have to get her when we can.
1: We do. And you know something, Penny? It's interesting that a lot of our listeners actually co- connect with us. And many, many times they say, When is she coming back? When's when are you Betty get, coming yeah, back when getting her on again? You know, you, you really do bring people up to speed. And the way you deliver the information about consciousness is very easy to assimilate and to understand. And also, one of the wonderful things that I personally love about you is the way that you're able to cross that bridge between what might be a very difficult subject or a. You're crossing. The bridge between spirituality and consciousness and practical real life and I think that's a wonderful thing
3: you know uh, I know I somebody just I can't remember who it was said to me just within the last week I remember the first time that you walked in the room to give a talk and you looked like a library librarian and you opened your mouth and you started talking about sex like it was you were doing dishes <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just
3: laughed. I thought, well, yep, that's it. (laughs)
2: And
3: and I'd like to say one more thing about my observations at contact before we close the Mm -hmm. Joshua Tree thing. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, we don't have to close it at all. But I I attended a a panel discussion. It was hosted by David Wilcock on I think it was Monday Sunday night or Saturday whatever Saturday night maybe and. and there, the question that he asked each one of the panelists was something directly about UFO experience or meaning or interpretation, et cetera, et cetera. And there were five or six panelists up there. I think there was six. Not a single one answered the question directly. Mm-hmm. They didn't then hardly refer to UFOs as if that wasn't really the question being asked. So it it gave a little bit of of umpa to the statement that the gentleman made to me that what he had noticed was that the conversation had changed from UFOs to spirituality because everything that each one of those people said had to do with their work in the world, whether that was Biology, or archaeology, or reporting—you know, these were uh, people like Jim Myers, and I think Patty Greer was among them. Um, there were a couple other people up there, that big names. Um, somebody that Graham Hunt Hancock wrote a book with. Um, I don't—I
2: don't know if his last name was West or if it was one of the other people he wrote a well, book with. What's that guy's name? But Anthony West. That's part of his name, anyway. Anyway, he has a yeah. name. he has a name before that, but it's something Anthony West. I don't
3: think it was him, but um but but that's one of the people he has okay. written with okay so but not a single one of them said anything about uFOs. They all talked about their work in unearthing the the truth about the reality we live in. And I thought that was a very interesting kind of of statement by this group of six. So, all you know, each had
2: yeah. fifteen minutes to speak, and yeah. and I listened very carefully. So let's kind of weave into questions at a time here. One of them is, I hear what you're saying, but there are a lot of people who are still very fascinated with UFOs, and there does seem to be an increased appearance in things in the sky let's just say okay so so I would like your comment on that number one number two can we weave that whole phenomena into what it might mean to be an eternal life being okay are they related at all yeah okay yes they are (laughs) so
3: so if we talk about the UFO the the increase okay Mm mm-hmm um, so here's where I'm at. This is not what I call a point of clarity and a point of absolute confidence, etc. I have been watching, and, and I've had my own, you know, uh, experiences in with other beings, lots of them. Mm-hmm. So I cannot poo-poo the UFO phenomena. Mm-hmm. However, I had... I had this, this realization, I guess I would say, come to me, or this question, really it was a question that came and said how much of this increase in UFO phenomena and, and information and data and sightings and blah, blah, blah is real and how much of it is manufactured? Right. Because it just, it, it, I was talking with somebody about chemtrails Mm-hmm. and they were moaning about you know the temp trailing that's going on etc and i opened my mouth to say but that, that those chemicals uh, they are using those to help control the weather you know i was thinking along those lines and what came out of my mouth was something totally different mm-hmm. and and this happens from time to time <laughs> when there's a pure intuitive uh answer that comes to me or or thought that comes to me and the the thing that came out of my mouth was they are using those chemicals because they that sort of forms like a silver screen backdrop that they need in order to project their illusions of UFOs and you know uh, you know sky phenomenon and, and stuff like that And that shocked me as much as it did, you know, the person I was talking to. And so that started a whole train of thought that said, oh, I wonder if that might be part of what the chemtrails are about. And so I just kind of left it dangling. You know, I'm really uh, uh, good with dangling questions. Mm -hmm. I'm not in a hurry to answer something until I have, you know, some kind of evidence or some
2: kind of...
1: Let me... Proof. Help me understand this now, what you're saying. It's like a hologram screen now. Yeah, is it like, you know the way in the old days when they used to make photographs, you used this silver oxide or silver, I'm not sure what it was, but some chemical so that you could form a picture. So are you saying that that these chemicals that they're spraying in the sky allow the formation of some kind of an illusion in the sky? Is that more or less what you're saying? That's
3: what I'm saying. Wow. Hmm. And... Saying is that there's a there's been quite an increase in the number of sightings and and phenomena and people reporting. A lot of people are reporting weathercraft because they don't know the difference between weathercraft, which are incredibly sophisticated in their triangular in shape, um, and they do make weather. They do control the weather, <laughs> but the you know there are other kinds of events and things that are happening. Um, and I think that those, I'm I'm wondering if you know Carol Rosen is one of my is one of my friends, um, and I've you know been to her house and, and stayed at her place, and you know she has talked about Werner von Braun giving this warning that you know they were going to use UFOs or an attack of UFOs. Um, to, to get control of, you know, they just wanted control. Whoever the they is, we'll say the cabal, wants control. Mm-hmm. So the whole question that, that came about for me is how much of that UFO stuff has been reverse engineered? I think a lot. How, how well have we learned to use plasma and energy in terms of uh, producing the kind of fuel, it's not even fuel, (laughs) you know, that the propulsion that we need is, you know, how far along are we with that? We have phenomenal weapons that are space-age weapons that we are hiding because they want to be able to use those and not take responsibility for the damage they cause for the you know there's weapons they use now to cause someone to have a heart attack Um, and you know they've they've used that and, and they can say oh you know he just he had a heart attack oh that's too bad it was natural and it wasn't natural at all it was a special weapon that just puts out the heart it just stops and it doesn't start again and there are other weapons phenomenal weapons plasma weapons that do very strange things and very powerful things and i'm thinking that you know the question i'm asking now is how much of that ufo stuff is really us and they're you know increasing that and very slowly very gradually there are really you know other beings from other dimensions but you have to have uh, unless they become, unless they materialize themselves and then crash here, you have to have higher consciousness. You have to be able to move to other dimensions in order to really deal with them effectively. So, because they can traverse the dimensions in ways that we have not learned to do as a rule, so I'm very suspicious lately of all of the UFO stuff. Because I'm thinking, you know, they wouldn't have to have an attack. All they'd have to do is promote all these stories right. and produce of mm-hmm. these illusions in the sky. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's all it would take. And the, the whole mythology around UFOs would, would develop. And that's right where we're at.
2: Right, right. Uh, all right, now how does this connect to us being eternal life beings? Um, oh, this was my favorite subject, thank you. <laughs> it's one of mine as well.
3: <laughs> okay. Uh, so, um, so, if we are going to evolve ourselves, we have to begin moving toward enlightenment. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, enlightenment is not where you understand something differently or you have a certain knowledge or you have a an intuitive experience or even a kundalini experience enlightenment is when the body begins to turn into light mm-hmm. and that process is something that i think begins slowly kundalini may start the process but what but you have to then further it and so i'm I, all i can say at this point is i'm fiddling <laughs> Mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. fiddling around with all sorts of different approaches to becoming more light, to uh, and that's breath, managing my breath, that is, you know, becoming present, supremely, supremely present to the body, not to, you know, some etherical idea out there. I, you know, one of my things that I, you know, that I really have uh, caught people or uh, surprised people with is that, is that whole question of the body.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, so many people think that the body is unnecessary, like it's this bad thing and it, yeah. you know, and it's a nuisance and they're going to transcend or offend and they're out of here and, you know, and that just isn't the way it works. Right. Um you don't transcend and get out of here, you expand and and the body that you have begins turning into light. Right. So what happens is that there's this slow kind of exchange in which you develop the light body and then you live in that light body. Mm-hmm. And you develop as as you develop that light body, you discover Well, I I should say, you know, you become much more aware of consciousness and of energy and the fact that they are the same
2: thing. Right. Now, it's good that you're bringing uh, this up because, you know, there's teachings like the Course in Miracles, for example, okay, that really, you know, says that the body was made uh, to separate yourself from God and that... uh, You know, it doesn't make it bad, but it basically says we've been using it to keep ourselves separate. And that's one thing. And then I hear other people who are into the UFO thing call it a container, which just makes me cringe, you know? Uh, That's (laughs) that's just a container that you're just going to throw away when you don't need it anymore. And I have Uh to say that it has taken me up until, you know, I'm in my 60s now to really appreciate all of the life force energy and the, the sacredness that's inside the human body and yeah and you know and I did have a dematerial experience one time actually it was through meditation and yeah. um, where I became the light you know and my body just dissolved into these molecules on the bed and you know uh-huh. the thing is is you know at the time I had three little children and I remember having the thought when I merged into the light that said well, what if I can't get back? And as soon as I <laughs> as soon as I had the thought, my body started to put itself back together. And right. and you know, I thought it is as easy as thought, but a particular level of thought. And and so, you know, I I've always gravitated toward anything that had to do with, you know, physical immortality on one end, not because I may want to live forever physically, mm-hmm. but because it's, it's a possibility. It's because you can if you want, or you don't have to if you don't want to, that that kind of freedom, to me, is part of the process, at least on a level. Okay, so what, what do you think about all of that, Penny? I think that's right
3: on. I, I think that we have to go back, let's say, the Course in Miracles, or the Bible, or any of the sacred teachings that we've had over the last 2,000 years. That stuff is deep, deep in the psyche of the average human. It is. And so what you have to realize, or what you come to realize, is that there is this element of guilt and this element of shame and this, you know, there's some element that is a core piece in each of the major religions that, you know, that just is based on... Something that's incorrect it's mm-hmm. it is not <laughs> the body is not a problem it's all in the body all of the answers all of the secrets are in the body mm-hmm. and if the body is a is an expression of the consciousness and so as the consciousness changes you you're going to change with it so the the point that I want to make about that whole like course in miracles or the the body is just a container and those kinds of statements is that all of the major religions and all of the major teachings have uh, come through human beings who have a bias and that bias shows up in statements like that that are not true and not helpful right they just aren't and we just have to recognize that just because that statement is made doesn't mean it's true and just because it's part of that body of work doesn't mean it's true and just because the you know that body of work has a an unclear or inaccurate statement in it doesn't negate all the rest of the truth that is in it Mm -hmm. so we just have to be much more Uh, attuned to the truth of our own experience and your experience on the bed is a true experience and and I you know I've had those same similar kinds of experiences and I think when you become when you begin to move toward becoming an eternal being then you you have experiences like that and they they pique your interest and they draw you forward Mm-hmm. And you end up saying, whoa, wait a minute, <laughs> okay, right. let's rethink, mm-hmm. let's re-envision this whole process, what is this telling me, Right. what mm-hmm. is this indicating, yeah. yeah.
2: mm-hmm. so, well,
3: you know, as the consciousness, you know, so let me just share one thing, um, so when you, this is uh, something that um, it has to do with chakras. So when you have an ordinary individual, undeveloped, what you have is a lineup of chakras that are uh, straight up the body, and energy just moves through the body kind of like a flood, and you know, and the chakras take in energy, um, et cetera, et cetera, and they barely, they barely, um, circle. When I say circle, they barely uh, rotate okay right so there's a minimum amount of energy coming in and not much old energy coming out <clears throat> but when you begin to develop those chakras begin to move their locations and new chakras appear mm-hmm. and and so what you get is this evolution of the energy body you have to be able to um How do i say this so it so it creates a picture you have to be able to develop the light body and to take in and manage enough energy to hold the light body in a particular configuration because it changes shape as you evolve right and the more that you evolve yourself the more that you uh, run into um, you know, new chakra locations in the body, uh, the body becomes it gives it begins to generate light. Right. So, have mm-hmm. um, when I was at contact in the desert, I was up on the stage on Saturday night after the movie was over, and and you know I was there with Patty and she was talking and then she handed the microphone to me. I don't even know what I said. Um, I was just so shocked. I was so unprepared. Mm. But I'm up there. And, you know, there's this huge amphitheater and big screens on either side. And, you know, we're on this stage in the center and these big monitors, gigantic monitors, so that everybody could see are off to the sides of the stage. And later, when I got the photos from that, you know, from that moment when I was on stage, you could see everything on stage and you could see Patty and what she was wearing, and all you could see of me was this gigantic ball of light.
2: Uh. And, I
3: was, <laughs> and I thought, you know, I was disappointed for a minute. I thought, oh, you can't even see me. What the heck is wrong? And I was, that, the, There's that eagle. <laughs> oh, um, okay. It was a gigantic ball of light with a microphone sticking out of it.
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, that's interesting.
3: Yeah. And so I, I had thought until that point, you know, I'm I'm not getting very far, very fast, but I'm going to keep going with this. There's there's got to be, you know, it's like all of my research. You start and you stumble around and you keep you keep at it. Mm-hmm. If you give up, you're done. Right. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes. If you
3: keep at it. You don't know what you're going to learn, but let you're me, going to uncover something, and that will generally be really valuable, me really ask you interesting.
1: Let question, uh, Penny, because. And many many people who would regard themselves as light workers have this kind of a fear that they they're they're being targeted or that they're being victimized in some way and psychically attacked psychically attacked yes now do you think that that has something to do with the way you described the chakras beginning the evolution of their light bodies. So are they kind of shining brighter in some way? Are they like a, like a, a candle to a moth in some way? Are they attracting the attention of negative forces because they're, they're becoming more enlightened?
3: No, I do not. And, and your question is a great one because it leads to something that I think is really important that we are learning about energy and consciousness and the transmission or projection of the energy and consciousness from individual to individual so um, so let me let me uh, say this you've all seen pictures of some somebody a form a human form sitting and the chakras are lined up right up the center of the body and there's seven of them and they're beautifully colored and they go from red up to the top one is purple Okay, and right. orange and yellow and green and blue and indigo and purple mm-hmm. and so that's your typical vision of chakras when the when the light body is fully developed you've all seen graphic drawings of the tree of life
2: mm-hmm.
3: that is the that is the configuration of the energy body in a fully developed human who has achieved Eternity, who has achieved immortality, and I have to say this, Angel, um, you know, people who have achieved that really are not interested in staying here. And mm-hmm. they come here because they have people here. They right. love those. They visit those people, but they don't stay. Right. Um, it's <laughs> primitive. It's such a cruel place. Mm-hmm. It's we have such a ways to go in developing our consciousness.
2: Mm-hmm. So, um, now that trio, one that, of the, yeah, that tree of life pattern that you're talking about is that kind of like the geometric picture? Yes, okay. yes, it is.
3: Okay. It, it is, and it's um, you know it, it's a little it's a little more unique for each individual, but you get a specific chakra that just enlivens the liver and another one that just enlivens the spleen and another one for the heart. And mm-hmm. I think there already is one for the heart but it, all of the major centers of the body get chakras that feed them energy constantly. Right. And that is what keeps the, the being alive. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps the material, the matter, um, from disintegrating. It's mm-hmm. because it has a continuous and accelerated flow of energy into the system. Right. And that then produces more light, Mm-hmm. and then you get this glow of light around mm-hmm. people
2: mm-hmm.
3: and that really is um i mean that's something that we we don't see anymore much at all if at all right. um so uh there was a question that you asked me it was Hanu asked what it was, was uh-huh. your question ahan uh-huh? yeah
1: yeah it was about att- attracting neg- negative negative forces, forces. Yeah, because or, you're shining but, so brightly yeah
3: Okay, so let's um, let's say this. Um, what happens when you are uh, when you begin to awaken and you begin to be much more sensitive to the energies that exist and you and in, intuition, the development of intuition and clairvoyance and clairaudience and clairsentience and all of those things are beginning to happen in that in that individual. So now they're talking to people who are not um, healthy, we'll say, physically not healthy, or they're talking to people who have underhanded plans or greedy or who have tremendous fears. And because you are so developed, you're going to hear those, you're going to, See those, you're going to feel those. And what we then say is, oh, we're under attack. We're not under attack. We are opening and haven't learned how to stay peaceful, how to stay quiet. You have to stay absolutely silent within yourself in a pool of peace all the time. When you are in that pool of peace, you can look out, you can talk with people, you can, you know, have all kinds of conversations but uh, here's an example of a kind of transmission that we are not recognizing yet I was talking with someone yesterday and she's a teacher and she had gotten sick with some kind of terrible strange bacteria that just played havoc with her gastrointestinal system and and this went on for weeks and the and you know basically what she was dealing with was somebody over in Singapore and and the what i picked up in that whole transaction between them is that she's inviting this person in Singapore into her life listening talking etc and that person as part of their energy system and it comes through the voice is projecting exactly that bacteria or that disease or whatever it is and and that is something that we have to become aware of right if you are a quote-unquote sensitive Mm -hmm. and if you are listening inviting opening to someone who is projecting a disease because it's part of their system they can't help it then you may pick that up Mm -hmm. and you have to heal yourself and those that is why in you know we had the flu that just devastated the world in 1918 it just jumped whole you know whole continents people project to their loved ones and they project what they are and then you have this massive experience of flu and yes there's scientific explanations that are perfectly good and perfectly legitimate but there's also other dynamics that are operational that we that you only become really sensitive to as you develop yourself as a healer or you know, you're trying to develop the light body, like you said, Ahanu. Um, all of a sudden it feels like you're under attack. You're just more sensitive to all of the stuff that is out there. And you have to learn, and this is a main lesson for everyone developing you have to learn how to maintain yourself you have to know what's you and what's not you
2: yeah that, that, that reminds me of a, a quickly years ago years ago I, I remember coming down with this kidney infection and I remember thinking to myself where's this coming from all of a sudden out of the blue you know I, I don't ever get these you know what's the deal and and um Right. Ironically, my mom called me that afternoon and told me that my grandmother had been admitted to the hospital with a kidney infection. And immediately I thought, oh, that's where this is coming from. It's her. And as soon as I realized that, you know, I said no to it and it it just disappeared. (laughs) That's right. Okay. But I have to ask this really quick. It's off topic a little, but there are going to be people in, in alignment with Ahana's question that say... Well, what's going on with all the murdered holistic doctors?
3: Oh, well,
2: what's going on is murder, period. But there I mean, are, in terms of being oh, attacked, in, 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 a, in other words, you know? They're trying to
3: destroy the, um, the forward march of holistic medicine. I don't know if the pharmaceuticals are behind it, but I would suspect yes. Um, You know, there's some really awful uh, people who have some really terrible machines and really terrible attitudes, Mm -hmm. and their attitude is we want control of everything. Here's my concern Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, You know, very few people know that the United States um, went bankrupt on May 2nd. Very few people knew that that the Pulse nightclub shooting was a cover to draw attention away from the fact that the U.S. was um, supposed to be announcing the gold-backed currency, the new gold-backed currency, and um, and the closure of the IRS and and some of the other things that are going on in the background. Very few people. Are talking about that, know about that, and uh, and we have. I, I'm afraid that we in this country are going to be stuck with an incredibly corrupt regime, in the same way that Zimbabwe was stuck with Robert Mugabe, who was so destructive and is and continues to be just so. Um, it's an ugly situation in Zimbabwe and those people have suffered and their country has gone right down into the dirt. Mm -hmm. And we in this country are facing that same thing. We have not looked at or, or admitted the fact that there's some terrible corruption. They're in control of heavy duty, um, machinery and, and tools. They're bankrupt. They're desperate and you know they're you know they're gonna we're gonna pay the price for that right so Penny,
1: let me you ask know. you this question uh, usually we do one hour segments broken into two half hours but there are so many questions still unanswered and you you contain so much valuable information and knowledge for people that we want to ask you would you be okay to go for another for a third segment can we take a little break and come back to you and do a, a third yeah. 20 minutes perhaps
3: Right, I'm free for another hour, so oh, great. if okay. we have another 20 minutes, that's fine.
1: Fantastic. Okay, let's take this quick little break. Remind our listeners, we're, we're speaking with Penny Kelly, and in brief, we we're, we, we started off talking about the her, her presence in the Contact in the Desert conference there in Joshua Tree in California, and we've sprung on from that to talk about spirituality, crop circles, Uh, Consciousness, Course in Miracles, Chakras, Enlightenment, Murdered Doctors, and U.S. Bankruptcy, and this is is really very, very exciting. So do stay with us. We'll be right back after this break.
0: The 8 Steps to Freedom is an eight-month personal power, self-mastery, and freedom series, originally presented on the eighth day of each month for eight months at 8 p.m. for 88 minutes. Listen to the free video on 8stepstofreedom.com. That's the number 8, and the words Steps to Freedom are hyphenated. 8stepstofreedom.com. In this unique program, you'll find yourself swept onward and upward by the torrent of positive energy created when a small group of powerful seekers assembled each month for the purpose of growing in freedom and personal power. The Spirit of Love Project is a fast-growing, International collection of paintings of the spirit of love inside each person, painted by spirit artist Ahanu, and presented as a virtual shield of love around the earth. Have your picture added to the spirit of love shield by going to Ahanu.com. That's A-H-O-N-U dot com. Now for the first time, a visionary artist that can see into your soul, your past lives, your future lives, and paint your highest heroic outcome. Get your Spirit of Love picture, or your Ancestral Healing Family Crest, painted by Ahanu today. Go to Ahanu.com. That's A-H-O-N-U dot com.
2: Well, welcome back now. We're returning for our third segment with our wonderful friend, Penny Kelly, who's always such an inspiration and um, teaches us so many things. So. Penny, you know, in the last segment, we were talking about what's happening with the country and the murder doctors, and a few weeks ago, you had put a blog out about conspiracy theories versus us creating our future, ourselves. Yeah, so right. So I'd like to, this is a really good, the topic you were just discussing about the state of affairs is a really good lead into this subject, because you know as you said in your blog it turns out that you know we were the people who believed in conspiracy theories were mocked and ridiculed but it's turning out that a lot of the things they said are coming true so can we can we start there and get your opinion on the conspiracy theories and then move into how we can create our future with our consciousness because as you know Fear is also running rampant in the world as As you look around and you look at what's happening uh, with the control, with the economy, uh, with the energetics that they're using, the weapons of energetics that we're seeing. Okay, so give us your thoughts about all of this and then let's, let's hopefully at the end of our show today we can leave empowered.
3: Okay, um, so let me just say something about the two theories of history in history there's the accidental theory of history and that is that events just happen they just happen they happen naturally nobody's making them happen etc they're just all accidental and the other theory of history is the what's called the conspiracy theory and that is that there is someone in the background or some groups or whatever who are who have a hand in shaping the events that take place, and I think that the accidental theory is just plain ridiculous because because we are the people who are making our history. Most of history is not understood it the the false history that's been you know put out there is a bunch of propaganda. But um, conspiracy, the major conspiracy theories as I see them are that there is somebody else running the government behind, you know, behind the actual government, that there is a plot to uh, make us all slaves and, you know, and we will work for these, you know, cabal leaders, et cetera. That's another major conspiracy theory, and then another one is that the, um, you know, that uh, Monsanto is trying to take over the food systems of the world, and which it is, <laughs> and that the pharmaceuticals are trying to um, extract money by having control over our health, and which is, you know, basically they're not doing anything for health except making it worse. And that really is an insult to the doctors and nurses who are honestly in there trying to do something good, so I have to apologize for that, but the fact of the matter is that the pharmaceuticals do want control over our health and and they and they want our money so and, and there's other conspiracy theories there's another one that is coming to the fore educationally that the um the entire education system was redone back in the i think it was after World War one or two, maybe World War two um, to completely remove the capacity to think for oneself from the average American, so that they would just do as told, and the entire educational system uh, was revamped and um, and reorganized, and a whole series of what I'll call educational theories came into play. And I, and I think probably one of the, you know, one of the most famous was uh, Bloom's theory of mastery learning. So you know, so that is is out there. And then, um, you know, there's just a whole bunch of other little spinoffs. The whole space thing, etc and weapons and military so when you put it all together let's just pretend that there's no conspiracy at all if there's no conspiracy at all then i'd have to say what the hell are we doing we have a colossal mess Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if there is a conspiracy theory then i would have to say what the hell aren't we doing that we should be doing In order to take on these, you know, these various elements that are so destructive, you know, who's working for Monsanto? Why do they continue to work for Monsanto? Who's working for Big Pharma? And why do they continue to do that? Why? Because
1: they need the money. Yeah, you you, you are. You're touching on something very important here, Penny, and it is that feeling of being disempowered because you don't have the money. And the the money, you know, when you talk about positives and negatives, you know, money of itself, as we know, can be a very empowering thing it can also be used for negative purposes it's what you do with it but it's when you don't have it it's that's when control can be exercised when you allow it you allow control to be exercised upon you because you don't have the freedom of the money now I always remember seeing a, a, a movie about the Holocaust where the German Jews were being marched into the gas chambers and there was only one or perhaps even two Nazi guards with, with guns, marching hundreds of people into a chamber oh. and the, the immediate image that I got was, why don't they just rush the guard? There's only one right. guy. Okay, he might let off maybe from an automatic weapon, you know, a half a dozen, a dozen shots and right. some people will be killed. But the majority of them, like 97 right. out of 100, would survive. But Mm -hmm. what was being exercised there was compliance. It was the control over the mind. The people felt disempowered and enslaved, you see. So this is what's happening in what we consider to be a free America, and, and indeed in many other countries around the world. People are enslaved through, through a kind of a mind control, that they're disempowered, and this is the reason why you won't have an employee of a, a Monsanto who, saying, no, I'm not going to do this. In fact, just prior to this interview with you, we interviewed a man he, who's in his eighties now, and he actually refused to carry a hydrogen bomb on his aircraft. On his, he was a a bomber pilot during the uh, just after the last war, and he actually said no because he had the consciousness to realize that if he was asked to pull the trigger on this thing and drop it, he would be responsible for killing, you know, perhaps three hundred thousand people, and he did not want, you know, his consciousness would not let him do it, over and above the risks to himself for his job, his career, his reputation, his income, all of that. And he's still alive today with a clear conscience. So it's a wonderful thing that you're saying, and that is about people needing to be discerning about what they're doing with their lives and with their jobs. And in fact, interestingly enough, that you should talk about big pharma because I used to work in the pharmaceutical industry myself. And in fact, at one point in time, I was such a trusted entity that I worked with two competing pharmaceutical companies. In their wow. IT department, yeah. So I was very aware of what was going on and I ended up having to leave it because I, I really abhorred the fact that people were taking these chemicals orally, internally, which was actually destroying them. All for the sake of a fear of not being healthy or a fear of, of death really was what it was and the other thing also that i did in my life because and it's why i can identify so strongly with what you're saying is i used to work in the oil business and i was drilling for oil in various countries around the world in north africa in egypt libya pakistan all over the place and wow and, and i was extracting this lifeblood of the earth what's known in the economy as black gold and it yeah. lubricates the tectonic plates is what it does, it's, it's, it's a, a, a lifeblood of the earth effectively. And I was mm. facilitating the extraction of this for money. Now, while it's needed, you know, don't get me wrong, I understand the necessity for the lubrication of oil in engines and motors. But it can be manufactured uh, artificially, you know, you have artificial oils. And they are just as good and work equally as well. And cars can run on water and air and, and uh, vegetable oil and all sorts of things. So I had to quit. I, I quit the business because it wasn't in my consciousness to continue to do that. So we do have the power inside ourselves. And I know this is what you're saying. But being disempowered through money is a horrific thing. It really is a horrific thing. And, you know, it, was, it would be a wonderful growth of awareness, I think, if many, many people around the world would say no to these kinds of things and say no to their governments when it's necessary to say no, say no to their employers when it's necessary to say no. Do you know? Mm-hmm. And I think this is a, a, a wonderful development that is taking place where you do now have people who are standing up and they're standing proud and they're saying no.
3: Yeah, here and there. I I read about one, you know, every so often, and I think, oh, yes, yes. And the whole thing about money, if you have been hypnotized away from the fact that you know what you need to do in order to survive on the earth, then if you go for the money instead of the skill set that allows you to survive on the earth, you're going to get caught up in, a, in that game, and, and you're right. It's a horrific kind of feeling of no power because the money is what fuels your survival instead yes. of your connection to the plants that you grow, the water that you collect, yes. you know, and that has all been ridiculed as, what do they call it, subsistence living. Yes. And, you know, you just don't have all of the niceties of life and and yet you can have all of the niceties of life and subsist quote unquote subsist very very well yes if there were enough people who really retained some of the old knowledge of of how to how to live on the earth with the earth and for the earth then it would be a whole different reality it would be a different world We just are, I think we're gonna have to face that somewhere in this next decade. I think we're facing it now. And, you know, I just been so, I would say, alert would be the word, to signals and signs that say, oh, you know, we're going down or it's coming apart. I think when Britain left the EU, um, that was like a big flag. We're going, you know, the, the Western economic system has to change. Yes. And I see some really wonderful changes possible. Um, and I see the threads of some things in place.
2: But, boy, we have a ways to go. Yes. So do you, <laughs> think, little, do you think the Brexit thing is a positive thing, Penny? Yes,
3: I do. You do? Okay. Yes, I do. I mean, I know there's people that have suffered because they lost money or because they lost power or, or blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Or there's confusion. Well, you know, when when you make a massive change like that and you take back your power, mm-hmm. that is what goes along with it is that kind of confusion and uncertainty. And the, and you can be very comfortable living in uncertainty the idea that we have all adopted, that we have to know what's happening every minute, you know, not only in front of our face, but what's happening around the world, Um, you know, and and therefore we're on our cell phones and we're on our iPads and we're on all kinds of stuff, checking what's going on around the world and we're not paying attention to what's happening in our own body-mind system or own local economy, then that's a problem, that is a problem.
2: And what and what about Earth changes, Penny? I mean, as we're seeing, oh, um, you know, yeah. you mentioned <laughs> rising waters in the in the ancient past, you know, but you yeah. know, we can look around the Earth and see that storms are getting more violent. And I do believe some of it's engineered and some of it isn't. But we're looking at, uh, I mean, you know, I go through this fear of flying, and part of the reason I do is. You know, the, the weather's just not like it used to be. I mean, you, you find planes disappearing or all of a sudden flying in a uh-huh. peaceful uh, airspace, and all of a sudden this weird storm comes up and it crashes. And, you know, can you give yeah. me your thoughts about all of that in relation to, you know, what we've been talking about in terms of our survival? Because it, it really seems like there is no safe place, actually, on the 3D level for people who, Think 3D. You know, I get asked that question a lot in readings, you know, where's the safe place to be? And, you know, part of me says, well, anywhere and nowhere, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So,
3: um, so remind me to say something about the safe place, Um, but go back to the earth changes. I see big earth changes coming, um, especially along the California coast. I'm sorry. I hope you guys are in a safe spot. (laughs) So, um, I'm really concerned about what, about what I see and what I feel and what I pick up just with Mother Earth, which is that she is hearing all of the distress and her, you know, her goal is to raise a population of people that are supremely conscious. And it's also, to her another of her goals is to raise a people who are at peace in themselves and with one another. And when that doesn't happen, she will shake things up and say, you who? Hey, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what's important here? Right. What you're fighting about and arguing about is not important. And so there's, you know, she does have some of that that I see coming up within the next six months. And that does concern me. Um, as far as like the financial system, uh, there was a point last year, maybe it was last year, September, I wrote about this whole thing about, um, the financial system going down because of a massive virus. And, and, and then I was watching this thing unfold and going, oh my God, and, um, And I just got word this morning that, in fact, that plan is back on the burner again and that it may actually occur. So I might have been a year early. Um, I actually didn't have a, uh, you know, a real good timetable. So I'm not going to say any timetable. I'm just going to say that that plan is back on the burner and they're going to use that virus that, oh, can't be stopped and, oh, it's wiped out everything, all of the finances, and, oh, we have a new system. I don't know why they can't just be straightforward with us and say, look, what we've got isn't doing cause it, or isn't working, because everybody knows it isn't working, and so let's do this. Mm-hmm. You know, why don't they just be straightforward? Why all these stupid games? It's like little kids who've never grown up are in charge of all the power buttons. Well, that, that's so, the answer right there. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah so and, and as far as like where's a safe place to go the best place, the safest place is inside your heart. it's in your consciousness it's in your own home and just pay attention to the urges that that direct you over the course of the days and the weeks and by gosh, if they aren't quote unquote normal if you if you're having this terrible urge to do something, you know, that is out of the ordinary, leave work at 1 o'clock in the afternoon or something, you know, then do that. Follow your inner teacher. Mm-hmm. That's where the safety is. Yes. Not and as, yeah, and right, that right, is the, the only thing that I think mm-hmm. we can really trust, that yeah. in our relationships between and among those who have said, you know, I, I'm taking a stand for something good. Um, yeah. You know, they'll, there's a lot of people, I think, that have taken a stand for something good, but they're not connected to anybody else. Sure. Yeah. So that's a, an issue there. We need to know our neighbors. We need to assess our neighbors. And we need to be in enough communication with our neighbors that we can say, okay, I need this or I need that or... or What do you need? Etc. So the, the goal overall is to pay attention, not to have security. The security is in the attention.
1: Right, yeah. Now you have mentioned several times in the course of our conversation today about floods happening in ancient history. You've mentioned also about, you know, we talked about murdered holistic doctors bankruptcy in the U.S., uh, conspiracy theories, earth changes, all of these kinds of things can lead to fear and turmoil inside people, and indeed that's what's happening in the world. Uh-huh. What, now, what do you do personally? Because you have said, we we haven't learned to stay in our own pool of peace, so how do you... Right in the face of all that you know and in the face of your awareness of what's going on in the world, how do you stay in your pool of peace?
3: Um, well, first, I never get out of it. Okay. Um, the sec- I've adopted this, I guess I'd call it an attitude. <laughs> um, and that attitude is one of um, stuff happens, all kinds of stuff. I can usually feel it before i see it and and so i'm always watching you know to see what's coming up on the horizon but i've adopted the attitude that i'm watching for what you might call pressure points or inflection points where i could you know in my pool of peace be seeing this whole thing coming toward me and there's a moment where you can deflect that or affect the course of that or is it you know it's it, i call it a pressure point or sometimes an inflection point so in myself i have decided to create what i can that's good based on what the universe is serving that day for my meal you know that it's just that simple i think that we have to we have to have some kind of inner authority that says you know i i have the right to make a difference in the world i have the right to make a change in my own life and and so i'm watching to see where are those moments that i can make a difference and that i do that from that pool of peace and then sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and you know there's all kinds of chaos and change and etc and i just flow with it it's like okay we um new ride new rules i've never I'm I'm not looted in what I'm going to call false security or ideas that tomorrow should be the same as today or any of that everything and maybe it's just because I'm working with people all around the world and and there's there's difficulties and challenges in everybody's life and so what what we need to do as individuals is stay quiet look for for things that we can do have a difference in and you know cope as well as we can with things that we can't change so yeah uh, that's it's a way of approaching life it's what i call a creator's point of view i consider myself to be a creator and by god i'm going to create what i think is good and beautiful and true
2: and let's just springboard off of that as we conclude today's program penny in terms of How can we all be using our creative consciousness to create a better future for ourselves as opposed to the one that, you know, is kind of, we're being railroaded into unconsciously?
3: Um, I think uh, some of it has to do with being honest. A lot of it has to do with being honest about what we think and what we want to say and what we see and what we feel and and sometimes we have to learn I mean there's a lot of people who don't know how to talk their truth they stumble badly and it makes it a mess and so then they avoid their own truth because they can't because they don't like the mess that they've made um you know make the mess for heaven's sakes you know make the mess and then do what you can to straighten it out um and yes things will change Um, And yes, they may be, and you may cry and laugh at the same time. That's, it's not, this is one of the things that I've been talking about a lot lately is what I call the paradox of life. It's messy. It's, you know, it's all sorts of things that are contradictory and they're all true. And we have to hold that. Yes. And, and stop trying to make it just be this or just be that or just match these ideas or, you know, over here. And so many people are stuck in fads of one sort or another, and those don't work.
2: I well, mean, they, I th- they work for I, Yeah, I think a lot of people think that being spiritual or a measure of spiritual advancement is that your life all of a sudden runs smoothly. And, and I don't think that's what it is at all. Oh, no, uh-uh. no, it's that the true spirit of
3: yourself stands up and begins to speak and begins to act.
1: Yes, I've heard that action be described in the marketing industry as taking massive imperfect action. Like in the past, we've always wanted to take perfect action and things were laid out and easy to understand. Now it's about taking massive imperfect action. You don't know what the outcome is, but you're following your gut instinct, you're following your heart, and you just do uh, it. Yes.
3: I love that. Yeah. I love
1: that. I, well, yeah. well, now, Penny, uh, we do have to draw to a close now. We're at the end of our time. And let me just, by way of bringing this to a close, I want to recount what we've covered today, because you have given some very valuable advice and made some very interesting statements. And we've spoken about the floods of ancient history. We talked about your episode in Joshua Tree, and your Contact in the Desert, uh, the Crop Circle Diaries uh, documentary that you've done with Patty Greer,
2: uh, we need to know where we can get that movie to or see yeah, it. Yeah, let's okay.
1: let's do that at the end. Yeah. We, we need to get your contact information. But before we do that, uh, we've talked about discernment. We talked about the chakras, enlightenment, uh, those holistic doctors, the pulse nightclub cover up, the uh, new gold back currency. You talked about conspiracy theories, energy weapons, uh, the educational health systems. We went into earth changes somewhat. But more importantly really, the statements that stood out to me from what you were saying today are that spirituality is a way of being that unfolds your true self. And you said that spirituality develops your personal approach to life. You said the earth is alive and conscious and communicates with all galaxies. The earth communicates with people through crop circles. They are using the chemicals as a silver screen backdrop to give the illusion of E.T. activity. We have phenomenal space age weapons that we are hiding to control and kill. You did say that E.T.'s traverse the dimensions but more sightings are illusions. You mentioned enlightenment is not where you have a Kundalini experience but one where the body turns into light. The human body is an expression of our consciousness. As all teachings, have come through human beings and not all are helpful. The chakras begin the evolution of our light bodies. The growth of enlightenment does not necessarily attract the attention of negative forces. The tree of life is the graphic illustration of the fully developed human and turmoil is where we have not learned to stay in our own pool of peace. You did say also that if you are sensitive, you may pick up diseases and other negative conditions from others from all around the world. And of the two theories, accidental theory of history and the conspiracy theory of history, we are the ones who are making our own history. If we retain the old knowledge of our relationship with the earth, it would be a different world. And you did say that you see big earth changes coming, especially along the California coast, and that Earth's goal is to raise a population of people where they are conscious and at peace with each other. And you did mention also, which would be a big help to people, that the safest place on Earth amid all these earth changes is inside your own heart. And then you finished by saying that I am a creator, and by God, I'm going to create what is wonderful, good, and true. Amen. Yeah, I think that's absolutely wonderful. <laughs> Amen. So, so yes. will you give your contact details, Penny, so people can get in touch with you?
3: Um, the, you go to my website, and all my contact information is there. It's uh, www.pennykelly.com, and that's P-E-N-N-Y-K-E-L-L-Y.com. Super. And if you want to get the Crop Circle Diaries movie, um, then that you have to go to uh, www.pattygreer.net. dot dot net, and she's got a couple. She's got a, a bunch of movies, and and the, I think it's right there on the first page. Is Crop that, Circle Diaries. pattygreer.net. dot net.
2: Is that P A T T Y? Patty. Yep. Okay. Great. All right.
1: That's super. Penny, it's been an absolute pleasure, as always. Yeah,
2: and I will get to Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. take care. Uh, t- okay. Love you very much. Care. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me on. All right,
1: bye. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. You have been listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world.